0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 8th of September 2021.
0: And Norman, the millions of Australians who are turning out to get vaccinated are evidence that there are a lot of people who are super keen for it. But there are some people who are still Hesitant, And there was a stage in the pandemic where vaccine hesitancy sort of became a bit of a euphemism for people who weren't interested in vaccines at all. But I think that there are actually a decent chunk of Australians who are truly just hesitant. They, they just have a couple of questions that they haven't had adequately answered for them yet. And one of those people is Sarah, who describes herself as being vaccine hesitant and says, can you point me towards the studies that show that if I'm fully vaccinated, I'm protecting others? Sarah says, I will book my appointment straight away if there is evidence that I would be protecting a child or sick individual from getting COVID by having the vaccine. Well, Sarah, great news. There is evidence and we are going to talk about it today.
1: We are. So Sarah, what's the the measure that you'd use here? The measure that you would use is that you are less likely to be infected with the COVID-19 virus if indeed you are vaccinated. Remembering that the main reason for getting vaccinated is in fact to protect you against severe disease. So I understand what you're saying is your community obligations that you feel are stronger than protecting yourself, which is fine. So we can reassure you that in fact you would be protecting others. And there are various studies. There's a CD study which shows that compared to unvaccinated people, the attack rate was 1.3 people per 1,000 days for unvaccinated people and 0.04 attacks per 1,000 people days for vaccinated people.
0: That's a funny measure, but really it's just a it's a fraction of the risk of actually getting infected at all if you're vaccinated.
1: That's right. They've all got different exposure measures. A Spanish study showed between 35 and 50% protection against infection. Remember, they're all showing very high rates of protection against getting to hospital, having severe disease. But your your challenge to us, Sarah, is protecting others. So 35 to 50% reduction in risk of being infected. And if you're not infected, you can't pass it on to other people. What uh, a study in Oxford, which we've talked about before, has and that's more in the time of Delta, has shown uh, a reduction in new infections, significant reduction in new infections, and that's in the world of Delta. It's true that with Delta, you are more likely to be infected, but you've still got anywhere between 30 and 50% protection against reduction of risk of infection. And interestingly, a study at the University of California, San Diego of healthcare workers, really well studied. In terms of uh, being tested on a regular basis, asymptomatic and symptomatic infection, they showed an attack rate of 6.7 per thousand people for people who were vaccinated versus over 16 attacks per thousand people if you were unvaccinated. So that's clear evidence that you are much less likely to be infected. If you're much le- le- less likely to be infected, you're less likely to pass it on to other people.
0: I do wonder whether in all of the the urgency to communicate to people clearly about the fact that risks still can remain after vaccination, that health authorities don't want people to completely let down their guard and just go running around breathing on people again, even once they're vaccinated, that perhaps some people hear that as saying it's not just because something isn't 100% effective, doesn't mean it's not worth doing.
1: Oh, no, and there, we get vaccinated all the time with vaccines, that um, particularly the influenza vaccine, but others that don't provide one hundred percent coverage. But you've see, you're seeing what you're seeing in New South Wales at the moment, and you'll see shortly in Victoria, is that even a relatively low percentage of the population being immunised is starting to bend the curve. So that's more evidence for you, Sarah, in a real world setting with Delta, that the more people you got vaccinated, the fewer people the vaccine has got to infect, you're not going to get very high levels of herd immunity, but it's just enough. So for example, if you can keep the numbers low in New South Wales and in Victoria by adding vaccine to lockdown, then you are protecting children because fewer children will be being infected. Hopefully, Sarah... I've convinced you.
0: (laughs) Sarah, now that we've absolutely blasted you with facts, um, come back onto our website, abc.net.au slash coronacast, and let us know when you booked your vaccine for and what you think. And if you aren't Sarah, but this has made a difference to you, let us know and tell your friends as well. So, Norman, let's talk a bit about – you were talking about the curve in New South Wales. Let's talk a bit about what's happening here in Australia. Um, One of the people who keeps a close eye on which direction the curve seems to be bending or not is Professor Adrian Esterman, who we've had on this show before. And he was tweeting yesterday that he thought it maybe looked like New South Wales might be turning the corner, maybe.
1: Yeah. So, it's been a few days now since there's been a big number in in New South Wales. But remember, what you've got to do is look at the running seven-day average. And whether that's going up, you know, you get the sense that it may be tailing off a bit, but the modelling from the Burnett Institute that the New South Wales government is quoting, saying that's a week or two off before you really turn the corner and bend the curve down. The modelling from the University of Sydney suggests it's towards the end of September, so not too far off. So it's it's quite soon. Victoria is going up faster exponentially than New South Wales, but their immunisation rates are really rocketing along and only a few days now behind New South Wales. So you should see the vaccine effect hitting in Victoria at a much lower number than New South Wales and bending the curve downwards. So we're not far off um, that peak in both states.
0: But as we were saying yesterday, those overall uh, vaccination rates hugely important, but not the whole story.
1: That's right, Tegan. So you're talking about two or three variables. You're talking about the vaccination rate. You're talking about the numbers of people getting tested and the effectiveness of contact tracing. And you are talking about the social measures, public health and social measures, which is lockdown. If you were to relax the public health and social measures, the vaccination wouldn't hold it by itself, nor would contact tracing because it's going to get out of control. Um, So you've got to have the lockdown. You've got to have the contact tracing at least doing as best the job they can even though there's very high numbers and then you've got to have vaccination really going up to very high levels. Those three things working together start to bend the curve and then when the curve is really bending down you've got high vaccination levels, lower hospitalizations, then you can start to move the variable which is public health and social measures as a single variable in that equation and see what happens.
0: Well, we've actually had a question about that these seventy and eighty percent targets, and it kind of plays into Sarah's question as well. This person's asking, how are people who are unable to get the vaccine for whatever reason? There's always going to be a slice of the population that falls into that category. How will they be protected from the
1: virus? Well, they won't be. To be blunt, although you should at eighty or ninety percent have much less virus circulating. So you've got a bit of herd immunity, but not enough to control. The pandemic by itself, that's really what everybody's talking about, is that this, with this infectious virus and the effectiveness of the vaccines, whilst they're good and effective, they're less effective against the Delta variant, which means herd immunity is much harder to achieve. However, you will get less virus in the community, and that will be, you'll see the evidence of that as the curve bends. In both New South Wales and Victoria, that's vaccine doing its job and reducing the virus in the community.
0: And a question from Sylvia, an interesting one. Why are vaccinations injected? Sylvia is asking, why don't we ingest them? Maybe the digestive system would also trigger the immune system in a different way.
1: So it's a really good, it's a really good question. We have, a lot of our immune system is geared towards the internal surfaces to protect us against invading organisms. So our bowel and our, and our respiratory tract. So the immune system is highly tuned because that's where it's got to be highly tuned because that's where new invaders are going to come in. And there's been a lot of work on inhaled vaccines. There's an inhaled vaccine for influenza, and they're working on inhaled vaccines for COVID-19. It makes a lot of sense, but we've got to wait on the proof of the pudding with the COVID vaccine to see whether it works as well as injectables. What about eating it though? Well, that's not where that's not where the virus comes in by and large. We largely inhale it, although you can get infected from ingesting it. But you've also got other technological problems with um, a, a swallowed vaccine, which is that it doesn't get destroyed in the stomach, in the acid of the stomach.
0: But then you inject it into your arm. That's not an internal surface. Well, I guess everything's a surface in a sense, but not in the way that you're talking about.
1: It's a really good question, Tegan. Essentially, what you're doing by injecting the vaccine is that you are immunizing the circulating immune system in your blood. You are attacking the virus as soon as it gets into the blood or into the body, not necessarily being very effective at stopping it coming in in the first place. Which is why these vaccines are really good at preventing infection, causing bad disease but they're not necessarily as good at preventing infection altogether. Come back to Sarah's question right at the beginning. So the vaccine gets in and then you attack it. So in other words, it's like letting the soldiers over the trenches and then you ambush them once they're over the trenches. It's still pretty good at preventing infection, but not absolutely fabulous.
0: I have so many follow up questions for that, but we have run out of time. If you've got a question, send it to abc.net.au slash coronacast and we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. Well, the pace of the news cycle is just dizzying. So maybe you have days when it's difficult to digest much more than a couple of quick headlines, and then it's all moved on. So how can you catch up? I'm Linda Mottram, and I'm bringing you the ABC's new podcast This Week. It's designed to do exactly that, give you the essentials of the biggest stories and explain the deeper issues at stake. We're going to have an episode out every Friday night, so subscribe to This Week wherever you get your podcasts or hear us on the ABC Listen app.